Joel and True, everyone. It's Hayden here from the Pop Culture Gamers podcast. I'm afraid it's just uh, one on my own some tonight. Unfortunately, Alan's not feeling very well. I could only record really, really late, and I'm not really quite up to recording at midnight tonight. Uh, so we're just doing this uh, very short podcast, but don't worry, Alan will be back very shortly, and also we'll be doing the podcast for uh, the Picard show later on in the week. So, unfortunately... Tuesday's been the day, a lot of things have gone wrong. Steve's away as well, so you've just got me. So just to let you know uh, what I've been doing, I've been getting my house ready for renting out and basically what I've done there is been doing some work over sorting out the rooms, emptying them, ready for more building work to be done because I've found out that there's a lot more building work that I need to actually have done. Another good few thousand pounds done to the house as it seems to be hemorrhaging money at the moment on this thing but hopefully it'll be worth it in the long run uh, also what i've been doing is been setting some stuff up for some better streaming with a dedicated capture card for the consoles that i have i've uh, decided to opt for the ava media live gamer portable 2 plus which has a 4k pass through as well i've been experimenting with this over this evening and really quite some interesting sort of things that I found out about it. I was struggling quite a long way trying to figure out why I'm not getting audio to my uh, signal uh, into the computer and then only to find out well the reason why I haven't been doing audio is because I've been passing it through the hi-fi. Now I never anticipated it to cut off the hi-fi for the simple reason that the hi-fi is earlier in the uh, switch because all of my devices go into the hi-fi and then I choose the channel that I want to then output to the TV and what I've done is I've put a splitter so it duplicates the signal from one TV and into the capture card on the other side of the hi-fi so the, the consoles and the switcher and the capture card they're all on different sides of that sort of like hi-fi connection and what I found was, if I turned on the amplifier, then I wouldn't get the sound through. But I would get the sound through coming through the amplifier. Whereas, if what I did was switch the amplifier off, then I got the sound through. Now, this switcher that I got, it's an uh, easy core switcher. It does uh, cloning of various edids as well. So, it does a 4K edid cloning. It does a 2k and then it does a copy in whatever it is the output to your tv and i've tried every sort of possible combination and the only way i can get audio going into the computer is by switching off the amplifier which was really a bit weird because i wasn't expecting that that was sort of like my last stage of my problem solving so that was a bit of unfortunate but i got there in the end Hopefully you'll be able to see some of the videos that I'll start producing shortly. I've also got Adobe Premiere Elements 2020, which I'm hoping will be a bit better than the previous version of Adobe, which was probably over 10 years old that I've been using to edit stuff. Also, just to uh, really let you know as well, if you're a member of the Facebook group, you may have seen the pictures of this, or if you follow me or Pop Culture Gamers on Twitter, there is now official merchandise. So uh, there's a very, very nice uh, mug that you can get hold of. It's a good size. It's really nice quality when you actually get it. 
There's pictures, as I said, on Twitter and on the Facebook group. And there's also a few designs of T-shirts as well, different sort of tees. So if you want to buy anything from there, you can go to streamlabs.com forward slash H-E-R-J-U-K forward slash merch. All right, so not really anybody to bounce off uh, with there. So I'm just going to uh, just go straight on to gaming this week. Okay, so gaming this week, not any uh, real news as such, but Ori and the Whisper of the Willows is released on Xbox One and PC on the 11th, Noah 2 on the PS4 on the 13th, and also on the 13th is My Hero 1's Justice 2 on the PC, PS4, Xbox One and Switch. So a few uh, games there, obviously a lot of people will be looking forward to Ori and Noah, don't know much about My Heroes Justice 2. Uh, obviously, we've passed the games for Gold and PlayStation Plus and Twitch games this month. But at the moment on Epic, you can get Off World and you can also pick up Gonna for free. And then after that, from the 12th of March, you'll be able to pick up Anodyne 2, a Shock Hike and Mutizone. I'm not uh, really quite sure what any of those three actually are. They don't look like they're really more like they're indie games rather than AAA games. I don't really recognise them that much. So, in terms of gaming this week, gaming-wise, what we've been, well, what I've been doing is I've been playing the Division Two and particularly the uh, Warlords of New York uh, campaign. So, I haven't played um, loads of hours of this. I know that there is the new equipment version two which I'm just uh, sort of struggling to really uh, come to grips with uh, because I haven't really picked up that much equipment yet. Uh, Like I said, I've literally just started playing it. So I'll report back on that later on in the week or next week about how that works. But in case you haven't seen this, uh, the Division 2 Warlords of New York is a brand new campaign for Division 2 which is an expansion it is a paid for expansion it doesn't come in a season pass and basically it takes you back to New York and this time the weather is a little bit nicer than the cold winter that you had uh, before so it's uh, looking really quite good at the moment it runs very smoothly as you would expect and basically it's a a one-for-one sort of uh, recreation of New York City which is uh, really quite impressive when you actually think about it and I know that from people who have been uh, to New York to the areas where it's listed in the game that people have said before on the previous version it is exactly as you would see New York so that's really good. Another game I've been continuing with is Darksiders Genesis. So I've been playing a few more of the levels there, really enjoying this game. It is sort of like an isometric uh, game, a bit like Diablo, sort of like that kind of vibe, but mixed with the Darksiders sort of uh, comedy and way of doing things as well. Um, You have two characters that you can control and they have different sort of abilities as well. If one dies, then the other one just comes to life and then they get resurrected at the end uh, of any fight sequences that sort of thing there's lots of puzzles i know that alan has played this game and he quite i think he said he quite liked the map personally i'm just 
struggling with the map um, a little bit and finding my way around navigating it. Like I said, visually it is it does look like Diablo, but it doesn't really play like Diablo. It's a bit more probably arcadey than Diablo ever was, although maybe similar to the console version. But yeah, so that's it. So, But still not getting to grips with the RPG element of it because I'm just not far enough into the game to really start to understand that as well. But yeah, it's just a matter of I've been starting a couple of games but not actually really getting anywhere. The other game as well I've been playing, again, is Two Point Hospital. So this one is available on Game Pass. You can uh, pick it up free on there if you subscribe to that service and it's on PC as well as Xbox. It's obviously got achievements, all of that sort of thing. And basically, it's just a simulation uh, game of running a hospital so there are various different sort of levels in a matter of fact the way that the levels are sort of like paced out it does kind of remind me a little bit like Jurassic World because you can go backwards and forwards through the levels once you've moved on to the next hospital you can go back to the previous one and uh, basically you've got to build various different things in order to support your hospital so when you first start, you've got to build a reception desk, you've got to build a GP surgery, a pharmacy, all of the things uh, that you would expect in a hospital. And then you get maybe specialist illnesses where you've got to create specialist sort of treatments. Um, I mentioned before, there is one uh, treatment called lightheadedness where people walk in and their heads are in the shape of a lamp, a light bulb. And that when you treat them for lightheadedness you have to have a special machine which unscrews a head replicates them a new face and puts it put that new head on uh, there's also other illnesses which are really quite funny like for example starstruck and on uh, that one you will get characters walking around dressed like freddie mercury which i really did find was quite funny as a as a queen fan so yeah, there's uh, lots of things there for you to be able to uh, have a go with. It's uh, a really interesting game. Like I said, it is uh, free at the moment on Game Pass, but it's also available on other platforms, so you can get it on Steam and all of that sort of stuff as well. Really, really is uh, worth a watch if you like, uh, sort of like a bit of a light-hearted kind of strategy sort of uh, SimCity-esque sort of game because you've got to, you know, manage staff and resources and to a budget and all of that sort of thing that you would normally expect to have in one of these kind of games so it is really worth doing it's quite therapeutic and i would recommend that one if if that's sort of your bag anyway that's it not much more to talk about really on gaming this week so we'll move on to movies tv and streaming Alright, so movies, TV and streaming and as normal we'll go straight through to the cinema releases. So the first sort of set of releases is on the 11th of March we've got The Hunt and Bloodshot and then from the 13th of March we've got My Spy, Bakura and then we danced and Misbehaviour. So I don't really know much about any of those movies that I I can think of. I probably will have seen the trailers and that sort of thing but... um, not titles that are really grabbing me. In terms of Blu-ray and DVD releases, there's a few coming out that looks quite good. There is going to be the ABBA collection um, on the DVD box set, Beauty and the Beast 4K uh, Blu-ray. I'm assuming that that's the latest 
live action version. There is Doctor Sleep on Blu-ray, 4K, Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, Doctor Who, The Faceless Ones, Patrick uh, Troughton as Doctor Who. And that's on Blu-ray, Blu-ray Steelbook and uh, DVD as well. There's also The Jungle Book 2017. Again, um, I think that that one, well, that one is definitely the live action version. That's on 4K Blu-ray. And a really good old classic movie, The Man in the Iron Mask from 1977. That's on Blu-ray and DVD as well. So in terms of the cinema charts, we have at number five, Doolittle. At number four, Dark Waters. At number three, Parasite. At number two, Sonic the Hedgehog. And at number one, uh, for its straight in at number one as well, is The Invisible Man. That's a film that I quite fancy seeing, although not sure how uh, good it will actually be. Blu-ray DVD charts, we have Gemini Man at number five, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil at number four, Zombieland Double Tap at number three, Joker at number two, and finally at number one, is Terminator Dark Fate. Not really a surprise that that was going to be uh, coming straight in at number one um, for this week, <coughs> since it was released last week. So, in terms of TV and that that I've been watching recently, um, I have actually watched Afterlife. Uh, so, this is uh, Ricky Gervais um, comedy. Uh, it's a very sort of like dark black comedy, uh, as it were. And basically... He plays Andy, who's a broken man whose life has, oh, sorry, whose wife has died of uh, cancer, and he's basically picking up the pieces of his life. He's feeling very aggrieved, very angry, and basically he's not bothered whether or not he lives or dies. Not bothered if he offends anybody or anything like that. Now, by that description, you would think this sound, this is so much like your normal sort of Ricky Gervais sort of excuse to be able to. Um, be critical of people, be nasty, all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, making fun of people in those various different ways. But to be honest, I think that this show is much more adult than that. You can understand where the character is coming from um, in terms of his life. You know, the fact that he is so broken, he has no joy in his life. The only thing that can uh, make him have joy is never going to come back. And it is a really, really touching story. There are so many great moments in the show. And basically, this is a much more mature Ricky Gervais uh, show. And he actually really does show his skills as an actor in here. He does express really good, incredible uh, emotional reactions to situations um, and the other characters that he's in, uh, interacting with. Um, obviously there is this, you know, some of the, the, uh, comedy that Ricky Gervais does, but it is contextualized, I think, and made to really, really good effect. And over the course of the story, he changes the way that he is acting and living because he realizes it's not, you know, really a way to live. But it is really intelligent humor, and I would very strongly recommend anybody who, it doesn't even like Ricky Gervais to maybe give it a try. My wife, she absolutely hates, loves and despises a lot of what he does. But this, she'll sit and watch for hours and hours. There's only six episodes. It's not going to take a long time out of your life. Three hours 
and you've watched the whole series and you'll still have time to spare but it is so well worth it definitely um and also the great thing is that there's season two coming to netflix on the 24th of april so that's afterlife and it's on netflix if you're uh, at all interested secondly um i've also been watching star trek discovery so i am sure that uh, you will already have uh, know that we're doing a second podcast at the moment based on star trek picard that's alan and myself and well basically i've been doing my research to link into some of my theories about it so i've been watching uh, star trek discovery and doing a bit of catch up ready for also when star trek discovery season three airs in a few months and i have to admit i'd forgotten how good season two of it is uh, so this is a season which um, has Captain Pike, who's uh, taken charge of uh, the Discovery. And it is, he just plays, Anton Mount plays just such a fantastic captain. Um, you know, he's very likeable, very much like the previous captain, uh, which was Jason Isaacs. And I loved his interpretation of uh, being Lorca in that and the fact that Lorca then came from a mirror universe where everybody was evil and all of that sort of stuff just you know made his um role even better but Pike he's very much more sort of like the Starfleet poster boy kind of captain um but very human uh sort of approach to him as well and yeah it's a really good uh, show if you're a Star Trek fan um, hopefully you'll like it. I know that Discovery has come under a lot of criticism uh, because of everything looking different and all of that. What you've got to remember is that there were certain constraints put on um, the owners of Star Trek, both the movie franchise and the TV show, because they're not, or they weren't the same people, um, and there had to be a significant difference between the two i think there was a number banded around of something like at least 25 percent different so that goes to the whole look and everything and maybe they went a little bit overboard on some of the looks but the film or the uh, tv series looks utterly spectacular it looks exactly like you would expect a high quality um motion picture to look the special effects in it are way better than a lot of the actual original series and um, Next Generation, you know, all of those ones, but also the movies as well. Um, that's just how good uh, everything is. Um, and I am a convert to this show because when Discovery was first coming out and if he was here, Steve would completely back me up on this. I really, really wasn't sure. Um, I thought that they were going to um, go down the wrong path with about every choice that they were uh, indicating that they were making. And a lot of those have actually, you know, those proposed paths have actually come true. But in the way that they've done it has been so very good. Um, and I think that while it doesn't, embrace Gene Roddenberry's vision of where Star Trek was going to be I do think what it does do is it actually embraces the essence of what Star Trek is which seems to be a bit of a conflicting point of view there um, but it's not in my head because I think 
Gene Roddenberry, especially in the next generation sort of time frame, set up this very much utopian kind of world. And we know things change. Um, and also this is before that utopia of the next generation and even before, uh, 10 years before Kirk's time frame. So in terms of storytelling, I do actually think that the um, tone for the show is correct. Uh, so anyway... I would suggest that you look at it. I'm quite sure that events in season one and two will link up with Picard, which will also link in with season three uh, of um, Discovery as well. So, yeah, definitely worth a look. Um, another uh, one that I've actually uh, watched as well, I mentioned before it was released on uh, Blu-ray and DVD, is I've watched Terminator Dark Fate. Now, this, I think, was more highly acclaimed than Terminator Genesis, but I don't think that that was really a high, you know, high height to climb because it was pretty much universally panned was that movie. Personally, I didn't find it that bad. Um, and a lot of people had said that this was either really good or it was very mediocre. Personally, for me, I do think that this is more towards the um it's it's one of the better terminators in comparison to the whole spectrum this is for me better than terminator 3 um but it's not as good as terminator 2 or terminator 1 i would say that this would be probably for me the third best movie in the franchise so far and what this does is it takes the story on from Terminator 2 so it is almost like Terminator uh, 3 and 4 have never happened now with the site they've pushed the reset button but Judgment Day never came however the future still happens but in a different way and rather than being Cyberdyne Industries and Skynet it's actually Legion uh, who is the future bad guy that is also producing these warrior robots to come back to Earth. But the focus is no longer um, on John Connor um, or his mother, but it's actually on a completely new woman. Now, there is, of course, Sarah Connor still um, on it. You know, considering how long this franchise has been going, she does look quite amazing, um, you know, for her age and still playing this sort of part. And, you know... Um, you you've got to hand it to her uh, for for doing that. It does show a bit more of a humane side of her as well, which is quite quite nice. Rather than being totally tough all of the time, she does have some quite humorous moments in there, but not sillily so. And we see new developments of different types of sort of Terminator machines. Um, and of course, the great thing is Arnie's back as well. And in a, there is a lovely moment that is a complete role reversal in there. I'm going to let you guys uh, watch it and see it. But it was really rather amusing uh, what one of the characters actually said. And once you've seen it, you'll know exactly what I mean. But for me, if you've never seen this film before, it's really, really well worth it. Um, personally, I bought this on just normal Blu-ray because I didn't think it was going to be special enough for buying it on 4k and i think that was a wise choice if i would be honest it's the type of movie i watch probably two or three times 
um, maybe over the next year or so, but it's not going to be one I'm going to want to watch again and again and again. So take it as you will, but uh, hopefully uh, that will help you out in terms of if you're considering um, watching this movie, like I said, I would say it's worth it, you know, uh, from uh, where it is. Okay, so in that case then, we'll move on to your listener questions. Okay, so listener question times. And as always, we have Mark starting us off with, how much difference does the physical size and appearance of a console make to your decision to buy it? Good question, Mark. But I'm I'm going to actually be straightforward and I'm going to say absolutely none. Personally, I would much prefer it if they made consoles that look like your CD player and your Blu-ray drive rather than, well, what we know is definitely going to be the Xbox shape, which looks like a shoebox standing on its end. Um, but other than that, I'm, that's not enough to stop me from actually buying the console. Um, The form factor sometimes might be a limiting factor for some people, such as, for example, thinking about the Xbox, because this is something that is about a shoebox size standing on its end, that won't fit under a lot of people's units and might mean that some people have to find a different place to put it. And I think that's going to be difficult for some people. I could be wrong, but I, I, you know, think all of the different various types of configurations that you can actually have. I think that they've gone with something that is a bold yet uninspiring choice uh, of design. It doesn't incorporate really the sort of like X of the Xbox. If they'd have done it so that there would have been like a sort of big X on the side front or the front side of the Xbox console, I could have understood that so that you were looking at the X, but it's just a play in front and it makes no sense to me in the slightest why they've gone for such an incredibly plain design. So, yeah, with that. And then the PlayStation side, obviously we've all seen the images of the developer kit PlayStations, which to me look like a bedpan. They're not attractive at all. They have like a horseshoe shape on the top that's, you know, quite pronounced resting on a base. That just looks like a bedpan to me. You know, it, it, it just looks really, really odd. If they go with that, you know, good on Sony because they've really made something that looks unique. But I still don't think it's attractive as a console. I would much rather than just create something like I said, that look like a DVD or a Blu-ray player that will fit in with the rest of my equipment and not be so garish, as it were. So uh, that's my views. If uh, we do get to do a part A of this show with Alan, then what I'll do is I'll incorporate these questions in with that with him as well. So his second question is, in five years' time, which games will you look back on as the best of this current generation? Now, that's a really, really interesting question. I think in terms of technical performance alone, you're going to have to say Red Dead Redemption as your first call-out, really, because, well, let's face it, it was a stunning-looking game. It's not had that 
impact that GTA 5 has had um, and, you know, the fandom that went with that. But I do think that Red 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 Dead Redemption does look at quite an amazing game and a real good technical uh, achievement there as well. Other games that I think are going to really stand out, I, th- I think if we are to be honest, we're going to have to look back and say that the standout games are more games as services this time. I, You know, you're looking at like Destiny 2, you're looking at Apex Legends, I really don't want to, but you're looking at Fortnite. All of these sort of games, they're all very much highly sought after, highly in demand, people really enjoying them, Very, you know, all that very great popularity. I don't think that a lot of them stretch the consoles in any way, shape or form, but equally, I think that they are standout games for the reason of their engagement with an audience. PUBG, I don't, although you could argue that PUBG did it a lot of it first, I, I, I never really warmed to it. It's um, even, you know, it, it always looks like it's in a beta to me and it's not fully finished. So, yeah, I'm not sure about PUBG. In terms of other games, I think God of War on the PlayStation 4 uh, will have to. I think Horizon Zero Dawn would be one that you would uh, talk about as well um, as being, a, you know, a really exceptional one. I think Hellblade, was Sacrifice, uh, for me... That is one of the most realistic sort of light-looking video games, this side of Red Dead Redemption. Um, and it, it is just fantastic, if maybe a little bit shorter than I would have liked it to have been. And I'm so looking forward to Hellblade 2, <coughs> which will be on the uh, next-generation consoles trying to think of any other games that I can actually think I'd like to give a shout out to Xbox and the only sort of real games that I can say would be uh, the Forza series on Xbox probably more so Horizons looks absolutely fantastic and I think it's probably more well received than the Gran Turismo uh, sort of games on PlayStation and any of the other sort of franchises Um, and then probably Gears of War would be uh, another one that uh, I would say. More for me, I would think Gears of War 4 than 5. I don't know why I just didn't get on with 5. Very much his first Gears game I've not completed uh, because I just lost interest in it. Maybe it's the whole formula going, but Gears of War 4 and 5, they both look quite similar in terms of the uh, style but they do look very attractive as well so I'm going to say those are some of the games that I would look back on but I think that there's also some cheaper games you know some indie games that are really good games on all platforms and one of those would be uh, Planet Alpha I really le- enjoyed that uh, as a platform game this you know th- uh, this console generation and Little Nightmares as well. So, th- yeah, th- those are some of maybe some of the other games. Anyway, Paul Wilson, uh, he's asked, will the coronavirus lead to a surge in digital game sales for new releases due to perhaps a potential shortage of physical di- disc versions? But more to the point, will Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo be considerate enough to lower 
the digital store's prices to reflect often much lower prices of the physical version. Although I imagine the next two months worth of physical releases have already been made at, and sat in a warehouse, uh, then we are heading towards the lean summertime lack of releases. So basically, do you think we're going to see more digital sales? I think that we're steadily seeing more digital sales anyway. There is quite the possibility that if people are off either with coronavirus or another or just skiving off saying that they've got coronavirus. I do think that there will be more people who will buy games in the, under those sort of circumstances. In terms of the impact on digital releases, maybe not so much. As you said, a lot of them will probably already be printed, but when you actually think about the turnaround time for No Man's Sky from when, when that went gold to when that was released, that turnaround was incredibly quick. I think it was a week or something like that. It wasn't long and had all of those units shipped out. So it might well be that the games aren't actually sat there on um, a shelf somewhere in a warehouse. So who knows? The other side of that question is, do I think that Sony and Microsoft will reduce the price of games because of feeling sorry for us that we're all ill? Nah, not a hope in hex chance. I think you probably got slightly more chance of that happening with Microsoft than you have with Sony because Sony is all about the money. Mind you, so is Microsoft. So I'm not saying that either of them are really better than the other. But all that I know is I've had more freebies from Xbox than I have had from PlayStation in 10 years. Um, and that's just general offers. That's not specific ones. So I would, you know, I, I would say probably not going to see much of an impact about coronavirus at all what i do think is going to be really interesting is will the coronavirus have an impact on the development of or the production of the new systems because of a lack of parts being manufactured because i'd heard rumors about some manufacturers having to cease production about all of this and if any of those are going to be impacting the parts that are going to go into the new consoles we might actually be seeing a delay in the release of the x series and the ps5 which could be quite interesting in itself although i've not read anything that that is likely to happen as of yet and let's face it november's a long time away in the future so next question is from uh, richard mortlock if you could be a fly on the wall at either Nintendo, Sony or Microsoft's head office to hear all the top secret information, which would you choose and why? I'm going to say Microsoft because I would want to see all of the super duper technical top secret stuff that they actually do there because obviously it's not just Xbox but PC as well. Um, and knowing about their research in HoloLens and all of that sort of stuff, and just generally getting to see what you know what they're like, I think Sony are probably not as interested in a lot of the same areas that I would be interested in looking at them develop uh, or the discussions that they're having about them. So I'm going to say Xbox um, on on that. And finally tonight, uh, Lee Doherty says, which game and movie have you bought the most versions of over the years? 
Oh, okay. Um, most versions of a movie, uh, it's got to be the Star Wars trilogy, the originals, because I have had them on normal uh, VHS. I then got them on widescreen VHS. I then got the collector's edition on widescreen VHS. I then got the Laserdisc version of them. I then got the DVD versions. And when I say versions, I mean the box set of the original trilogy. But then I also got the three DVDs that had not only the um, the original trilogy... Sorry, not only the enhanced trilogy of the original trilogy, but also the original cut as well. And then I also got the Blu-ray. And I will also be looking at buying... <laughs> I'm sad. The 4K one, when it comes down from £180, I'm not paying that much, no matter how much I love Star Wars. So that is uh, probably the one uh, set of movies that I've actually bought the most of. In terms of games, I have been known to double, triple and quadruple dip on games. So I would say probably... In a matter of fact, if we were going to talk about games on any format the game i've played the most or bought the most on different formats has to be the original 1984 elite because i played that on the commodore 64 the bbc model b i also got the acorn electron version of the game which considering it was the acorn electron it had less memory than the BBC's 32 kilobytes. It actually had 22 kilobytes of memory. What that actually translated to is they removed military lasers from the game, so you couldn't buy those. I I can't quite grasp how. The only thing was the military lasers and the extra fast uh, power supply uh, upgrade that you could get for your ship they were the only two things that i think were actually removed from the game they still had the 4096 planets or whatever but it was obviously just that little bit too much code to say charge this one up half a second faster and make this more shots per second crazy i know but that was it oh and i don't think it had i think there was two or five missions in the original elite and it didn't have those either so, as well as those versions of it, I've also uh, had it on the Amiga as well. Um, so, that's another version. And I had the PC version uh, as well. So, quite a few. Oh, and also the Acorn Archimedes version, which was by far the best version of the original Elite. Um, if you ever, or if you, you know, if you ever got the chance to run an emulator with. Um, elite from back from 1984 on you know the acorn archimedes version i would recommend that you actually try it because it is actually really quite good i mean it's nowhere near anything like the standard of modern day you know elite dangerous and all of that but that one that, that game i have played over and over again on very many formats and i've not even listed some formats there that I've bought the I've not bought the game on, but I've played it on like the Spectrum, uh, for example. I used to, you know played it on the Spectrum as well. I played it on the Atari ST. Played it on loads of different formats. I think I even played it on a Nintendo 
at one point. I'm sure there was a Nintendo version of it. Um, but yeah, so lots of, <laughs> lots of different versions, uh, of that as a game as well. So yeah, and now obviously now I've got Elite Dangerous, um, which is the latest incarnation of the game. And I've got that on all of the formats, PC, Xbox and, uh, PlayStation. So, um, yeah, I loved that game right from the start. Okay. Well. Uh, that's it. I know it's a short show, but I have been talking for probably about 40 minutes or so. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. We will be back uh, very shortly uh, with either Steve or Alan or Steve and Alan as well. Uh, we'll definitely be back later on this week to give you the Picard show as well. Lots to talk about about Picard this week. It was a very exciting episode um, last week with old characters coming back, new theories emerging. Really, really looking forward to it. So um, looking forward to hearing some of Alan's takes. And we've been communicating and we've thought exactly the same thing. So, you know, the, the you know, the, um, the apprentice is becoming the master there, I think, Alan. Um, so anyway, that's it for now. I'm just prattling on now. So I'll uh, say goodbye. Obviously, contact details are as normal. My YouTube channel, just search for HRJ UK. Twitter, PSN, Xbox Live, Steam, all HRJ UK, but on Epic, it's Pop Culture Gamer. If you are, uh, sorry, gamers rather, don't forget you can also uh, follow the show on Twitter at Pop Culture Gamer. We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. Come and visit those as well. And also, if you want to email, the show it's podcast at popculturegamers.co.uk and don't forget our website popculturegamers.podbean.com and if you want to support the show you can always uh, donate at the pop culture gamers uh, patreon as well which will be all used to um, help to uh, fund the rest of the show um, for hosting and all of that sort of thing. And don't forget, if you're wanting any of our merchandise, you can see that at streamlabs.com forward slash H-E-I-J forward slash merch. That's it. Thank you very much. And all I can say is kapla.